Amen. If you would, uh, take your Bible and uh, let's open up the Scriptures to 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to begin in verse 10. 1 Peter chapter 3 in verse 10. And if you've been using your app, I want to give a, a praise for what I have seen God using our, uh, our mobile app that the, uh, many of you have been using when we uh, started out and introduced that in May. And I began to watch, we get a little pie chart about the mobile app that's showing people where they're using it. Basically, the little pie chart tells what percentage. And, uh, and uh, gives us also uh, kind of a, a summary uh, about the uses of, of the uh, app. And uh, so when we first got that pie chart and started seeing it, the, uh, what we were seeing was that the vast majority of people were looking at the calendar. And we thought that would probably be true. But uh, what has amazed me over the last few weeks is, as I've seen the pie chart, we have now gone to where the biggest piece of pie is people using it for sermon notes. 33% of the use of the Bible app is people looking at the sermon notes. And so that lets me know I better be careful what I put in there because uh, you're using it. But it also is a praise because if you're using those sermon notes, it uh, has an opportunity for you to put your email address in there so to keep a record of your sermon notes. And also you can email that to yourself and then turn around and email it to someone you think that might would benefit, someone it might minister to. And so that's one of the big evangelistic outreaches of the mobile app is that you can do that. You can keep those notes and then turn around and email it to someone else that that might touch in their life. Someone that's discouraged might encourage someone that's struggling in a sin that might help them get deliverance from that, whatever it may be. And so that's a great praise. We also kind of get a summary of how many uses that the mobile app is getting, how many donations are coming through the text to give and so forth. And uh, I began to watch that little pie chart and those summaries that I got in. Beginning, I saw like tens of uses and tens of dollars being donated. And then I saw it go up to hundreds of uses and hundreds of donations. And now after ten or two months of using it, I can say a big praise. We're seeing thousands of uses of the uh, mobile app and thousands of dollars being donated in it. So that's a great praise that God is using that and people are using it more and more, sharing it with other people. And uh, I want to encourage you, if you haven't been doing that, email it to yourself. Just put your email in after you finish up the sermon notes, and then use that. Think of uh, someone that it might minister to and email it to them. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 3, and we're going to begin in verse 10. I'm reading out of a translation that I'm not normally reading out of. It's the New Living Translation, but I'm using it for a specific reason, and that is I'm starting out today a series on what if. And we're looking at ifs in the Bible. Ifs in the Bible. Now, many translations are worded at this beginning in verse 10 that say like, should a man love or would a man love? And basically, if we put it into plain English, it would be saying, if you love or if you enjoy life. And so that's the reason I'm using the NLT or the New Living Translation this morning. But thinking about life and enjoying life, and that's what we're looking at this morning is, what if... I want to enjoy life. What if I want to enjoy life? How many of you want to enjoy life? Would you raise your hand? Most of us do, don't we? Although there is the saying, misery loves company. The reason that saying is said is we really want to enjoy life and if our joy seems to be taken away from us and we're miserable, we don't want to see anybody else enjoying life. We want them to be miserable too, so we suck people in to our misery. But in, in essence, we want to enjoy life. 
Matter of fact, some of you may have heard this saying before, eat, drink, and chase Mary. How many of you heard that before? <laughs> some of you haven't heard that twist. It actually, the original saying was, eat, drink, and be merry. But then over a period of time, I've seen some men with warped minds who said, let's change it a little bit and make it eat, drink, and chase Mary. But eat, drink, and be merry is a slogan or a saying that someone came up years ago saying, just enjoy life. Now, I don't know necessarily eat, drink, and be merry necessarily is the answer to enjoy life, but I do know that God's Word has the answer. And that's the reason I want to look at the New Living Translation because it makes this statement, if you want to enjoy life. When I looked at that translation, I thought, there is exactly the wording that God put in my heart for this message, and that is, what if I want to enjoy life? Can I be a Christian and enjoy life? Can I live in the world that we're living in now? With all the chaos and all the insanity that we see in the world today, can I enjoy life? Well, 1 Peter chapter 3 and uh, beginning in verse 10, it's beginning to quote a scripture that uh, is actually from a reference that uh, is in Psalms 34 and verses 12 through 16. So if later on you were to look at Psalms 34, 12 through 16, you'll see some of these scriptures that will immediately show up. But here's what it says in 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 10. For the scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, and all God's people said, Amen. Keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and His ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns His face against those who do evil. Now who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about the hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Not because they'll see just good life, that you're having the good life, but they'll see good life that you're living in Christ, that they see the good life that you have because you are a child of God. Lord, we just pray that you take these scriptures and bring them alive to us today. And Lord, I pray that, that we would see them in light of what it really takes to truly enjoy life because I have seen and heard of so many people that have thought of the answers to enjoy life. You need money, you need sex, you need possessions, you need lots of toys to really enjoy life. And yet I've seen over and over that those people who go after that direction to enjoy life end up committing suicide, being in misery, dying alone. Lord, there has to be some answer that leads to an enjoyable life that has got more substance to it than that. And Lord, I have seen it in Your Word. God, I pray You bring it alive to us today that we'll find out what it really takes to enjoy life and what we got to do if we want that type of life. And Lord, we'll thank You and praise You for all that You do. And it's in Your holy name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen.
As I looked at these scriptures, I saw some principles that if we follow them, it creates a life that is more enjoyable. Now, if you was listening as I was praying, I said that I have seen and heard of many people that have thought that there are different things that are the answer to enjoy life. If you have more money, you can enjoy life more. If you take more drugs, you can enjoy life more. If you have more sex, you can enjoy life more. If you have more possessions, more toys, you can enjoy life. Now, you can look at all those different things, and if they're in the right perspective... There's nothing wrong with them, and they can make life enjoyable, but they got to be in the right perspective. The problem is that a lot of people take it in all out of distortion from what God intends things, and they lose truly what the joy of life is. And so I've seen people end up committing suicide, overdosing, dying alone, because they thought that within itself was the answer. But here the Bible tells us in 1 Peter 3, very clearly, if you want to enjoy life, here's what you do. Here are the principles that if you follow it, it'll create a life for you and I that is more enjoyable. So here's the principles. Here's number one. It says, treat yourself the way you want to be treated. Nope. If you're using the app, take out that word yourself. Treat others the way that you want to be treated. The Bible is telling us in these principles that it uh, kind of recited from Psalms 34 that to enjoy life and to see many happy days, it begins to address things of keeping your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies, to turn away from evil and to do good. And really it's addressing things about how that we treat other people the way that we would want to be treated. To speak of other people in kind ways, Matter of fact, the Bible tells us to speak of kindness. And as I looked at these scriptures and it was just very clearly as God was speaking to me, if you really want to enjoy life, you've got to treat others the way that you want to be treated. That principle as I was growing up was impressed on little wooden one-foot rulers and it was called the golden rule. And it said this, do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. It was called the golden rule. It came from Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12 that tells us that in life, the way that we should live life, which makes life more enjoyable for everybody, is that we do to other people the way that we would want to be treated ourselves. Treat others the way that we would want to be treated. And by doing that, we can follow the principle that the Bible tells us that you reap what you sow. You know that principle of reaping what you sow comes from a gardening principle? And that is, if you sow corn, you're going to reap corn. If you sow green beans, you're going to reap green beans. It's telling us that if you sow seeds of evilness, if you speak evil things about other people, then it's going to turn around and people are going to speak evil to you and evilness is going to come back to you. So the principle of the Bible is telling us it's based in that golden rule and that is you reap what you sow and if you sow good things and you treat other people with goodness, good things are going to come back to you. There's another saying that kind of links into that and that is what goes around comes around. What you put out of your life is going to come back around to you. And so if we're treating other people in a way that we would want to be treated, if we're doing good to other people because we would want them to do good to us, it comes back around. I am surprised sometimes. Now, I'm not saying my life is always great and everything goes good because that would be a big, big, big lie. 
But I am shocked and surprised sometimes by the fact that there are things that I've tried to do to treat other people good and do right and treat them the way I'd want to be treated. And then God brings a surprise into my life. And I go, woohoo, I like that. Wasn't expecting that, God, but thank you for it. Because what goes around comes around. What you sow, you reap. There's a principle in our judicial system that says that you are innocent until proven guilty. And then you got to be guilty beyond any reasonable doubt. Now, I, I've experienced some people in my life that, that you're guilty until you prove you're innocent. That's not a principle from the Bible. It's kind of twisted around. If you didn't hear that right, let me tell you again. You're guilty until you're proven innocent. I have had people that have developed hard feelings towards me and I notice something's going on and start trying to dig in and find out and find out that somebody told them something about me that was not true. So we, we evaluate it, we talk about it, we come to what the truth is. And I ask the question, why did you believe something like that for? Well, they said it was true. Well, what about the principle that we use in life, innocent until proven guilty? You see, we, we have a tendency, and I've looked at that, and we have a tendency to go in that direction. If we hear something, oh, really? And we believe it. Surely, they wouldn't have said it if it wasn't true. Or maybe it's just inside of us that we like to hear something juicy, don't we? I was tempted to just make up this big juicy lie to tell so I could see all of you go. We're drawn to those things and go, oh, really? And then we have a tendency to share those things with other people. I've had a person one time that's very clearly in my mind that told a lie about my family. And they had shared it with somebody and they shared it with somebody else and it had circled around to several people. And then I, when I revealed what the truth was and why it had to be a lie... It was like, we begin to believe lies. We begin to share lies. And the Bible addresses things about the tongue. Matter of fact, if you go to the book of James, it tells us that the tongue is like a flaming fire set on fire in the place called hell. It is like a wild animal that cannot be bridled. What the Scriptures is telling us is the tongue is dangerous. It is destructive. It is hard to control. But with God's help, we can do it. There's a saying uh, over the years that uh, I've been told, if you can't say something good about somebody, then don't say anything at all. For some people, that means they would become mute and they could not say anything. <laughs> the Bible is telling us to not allow our tongues to speak evil, to not to be deceptive or tell lies with our tongue. Basically, the Bible is addressing that what are the parts that we are the most needed to control so that we treat others in a way that we would want to be treated is by our tongues. I don't want nobody telling any lies about me or questionable things about me, and I don't want to do that to anybody else because they spread like wildfire. So if you want to have a life that's more enjoyable, then treat others the way that you would want to be treated. Sow what you would want to reap. Remember what goes around comes around. See, when you treat other people the way you'd want to be treated, those things come back to you. It makes life more enjoyable. The second principle is this. Strive to live peacefully with other people. Strive to live 
peacefully with other people. The Bible tells us in Romans 12, 18, it says, As much as possible that is within you, live at peace with others. Now what is that scripture saying? It's telling us that everybody else's actions and attitudes may not provide peacefulness in your actions with them. But as much as you can do within yourself to deal with that situation or handle your reactions to other people, deal with it in a peaceful way. Why does that principle make life more enjoyable? I found that even when there is tension, now I'm not the best person to say this because I inherited bad temper and reactive type personality, but I try to. I keep working on it. And that is I've learned that even in tense situations, the more calm and the more peaceful you react to somebody else, the more calmness and peaceful it brings to the situation. And the Bible is telling us that if we strive to live peaceful with other people, that ends up coming back around us. Peace comes into our life. Have you ever had a point in your life that you just thought, can I just have a moment of peace and quiet? Everybody with children has had that. Those of you who have lots of kids have probably had lots of those moments. Could I just have a moment of peace and quiet? We like peacefulness in our life. Even people who are high-strung and energetic don't like strife in their life. They like peacefulness. And so when we generate peacefulness with other people in our actions with them, even when their tempers arise and even when they become where they're lashing out at us, the Bible's given us a principle that if we can strive as much as within us to live peacefully with other people, then we're going to have peace in our life. The principle of what goes around comes around. What we sow, we will reap. You've heard me say this statement before that's by Abraham Lincoln, and that is, the best way to defeat an enemy is to make them a friend. And I have found that in my own personal life, by my reactive type personality, that when someone is being an enemy towards me or reacting angry towards me, and I react angry back to them, it never brings a peaceful situation. Right, cowboy? All right. I bet you anybody that blows their horn at Cowboy when his truck doesn't get a peaceful situation. He's bigger than they are. Peacefulness. The best way to make any enemy as a friend is to be peaceful with them. So strive to live peacefully with other people. And yes, that does. If you're listening, say amen. That does include your spouse and your children and your parents. We'll throw in grandparents there too since i got plenty of grandkids. Strive to live peacefully with other people. The third principle that Scripture is teaching us is do what's right in the eyes of the Lord. In these Scriptures in 1 Peter 3 that we read, it says that we're to pursue after peace. But it also tells us that the eyes of the Lord are looking. And the eyes of the Lord are looking upon us to see if we are doing what is right. And the Bible teaches us, do what's right in the eyes of the Lord. In the writer of Hebrews in chapter 11, where it talks about the heroes of faith and that faith is the substance of seeing things not seen. And it tells about searching out the Lord and it says that the Lord or that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Hebrews eleven six. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. What is that seeking Him? 
Just find out if there is a God. No, that seeking Him means we're pursuing Him. We're going after Him. We're seeking the things of God to live our life according to it. I thought it was kind of unique that uh, Logan, as he was speaking to our brotherhood this morning, he wanted to give us an acrostic. The word pursue, taking the first letter, P-U-R-S-U-E, and making a statement out of it. And uh, Logan didn't know where I was going to be preaching from, but one of the translations that, uh, from 1 Peter chapter 3 that talks about uh, peace and pursuing peace. But Logan said this is the answer to pursue. P, protect God's holy word. U, urge others to fight for God and grow closer to Him. R, resist worldly temptations from the devil. S, strengthen your walk with the Lord daily. You understand God's Word, and E, empty yourselves to God and allow Him to use us. I thought that's a pretty good acrostic of pursuing God. Pursuing God is not just finding out if there is a God or seeing if you can see any evidence of Him, but pursuing God means you are after a close relationship with Him. Let me ask this question. This is strictly for the men, all right? Strictly for the men. How many of you men pursued your wife? Would you raise your hand? The rest of you are about to be in trouble. Just thought I'd get a few men in trouble today. I raised my hand high. I pursued my wife. Now, pursuing my wife, pursuing Joyce, wasn't that I just was trying to find out where she was, but it meant I was after a relationship with her. We need to pursue God in the same way. We're after a close intimate relationship with Him. And I can tell you this, that when you do that, it makes life more enjoyable. Because the closer you get to the Lord, the more assurance that you have that God has you in His hands and whatever's happening in your life, God's in control. More assurance that you have that if your needs met in your life, that God's going to supply all your needs according to His riches and glory. The more that you pursue God and the closer that relationship with Him, the more enjoyable life is because you know that whatever happens in your life, God is working all things together for your good because you love Him and you're seeking to serve Him. You are pursuing God. Go back to do what's right in the eyes of the Lord. That's when you're pursuing the Lord and God rewards those who diligently seek Him. You want to enjoy life? You can try the things that other people have tried where you've seen them end up overdosing or committing suicide or dying alone, dying at a young age, that they thought they were doing everything to enjoy life. Or you can look at 1 Peter chapter 3 and find the principles that create a life. Do you understand that? It creates a life that makes life more enjoyable. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Strive to live peacefully with other people and do what's right in the eyes of the Lord. Let others see the good life you live because you belong to Christ. I love the principle, give and it will be given back to you. If you give out good treatment and do good to others instead of evil, if you strive to live peacefully with other people and you try to do what's right in the eyes of the Lord, you're giving out good and good will come back to you. Lord, we come to You this morning. And Lord, we thank You for the principles. What if I want to enjoy life? Lord, that could be a question that someone who is very young could be saying, 
I just want to enjoy life. What if I want to enjoy life? What do I need to do? And can I be a Christian and enjoy life? That's where the real enjoyment comes. And a person could be even older and thought, man, life has been had some tough moments, struggling in some areas of my life right now. How am I going to enjoy life? Well, I can tell you this, just keep doing what is right in the eyes of the Lord. And the Lord blesses that. He rewards that. He rewards the ones who are diligently seeking Him. And the Lord tells us to test Him and see if He won't bless us. In several different areas of the Scripture, He said test Him, which means just live it out and see if He won't bless us, if He won't provide for us, if He won't give us an enjoyable life. So it makes no difference whether you're a young person and just trying to figure out what direction to go in life or whether you've had some challenges. The answer is still the same. Just try to do what's right in the eyes of the Lord. And it may not be immediately, but in the long run, you'll find out life is more enjoyable. There's a lot less strife. There's a lot less things that come back to haunt you. Those seeds that you've planted have come up to be seeds of blessings. In our life in the Word this morning, the writer talked about when you give your heart and life to the Lord and you go down the narrow path, it's kind of like a funnel upside down. The path is narrow because it's really focused and specific of giving and living your life out to the Lord. But as you go down that path, it's like an upside down funnel that as you go down that path, things just start to open up. Blessings begin to flow and things begin to be revealed. So today, if you're on a path right now that seems a little narrow, a little tight, you just keep walking down that path with the Lord and you'll find it's just an upside down funnel that's just going to open up and blessings are going to be seen. So stay on the right path, stay with the Lord, and He'll bless you. Lord, we just thank You, God, for Your precious Word. God, I pray that You'd help each one of us to apply it to our lives today. Most every hand went up. We want to enjoy life. And really to find the principles to have a life that is more enjoyable. We just got to treat others the way that we'd want to be treated. Strive to live peacefully with other people and just do what is right in the eyes of the Lord. And Lord, that's when your blessings come. So God, if for someone who's struggling in some areas, some decisions, some issues with some relationships, Lord, I pray, God, that you would begin to heal that. Lord, if there's someone who's struggling in some areas of, should I keep doing this or should I just go on? May they just do what's right in your eyes because you reward those who diligently seek you. And Lord, I'm going to thank you and praise you for the prayers you answer and for the guidance you give. And it's in your name we pray and the life we'll enjoy. Amen. Let's stand together. As we stand and sing, if you need to come and pray, if maybe there's some challenges facing in your life, you just want to come and just lay it on the altar for the Lord, I invite you to come.